An introduction to Bartimaeus. <clears throat> Bartimaeus, the name means in Greek, honorable man. And I don't know if he was born with that name, if his parents gave him that name at birth, or when he went through his bar mitzvah at 13, or whenever Jews do that, or if that was the name given to him after his conversion, after this experience. Remember, it's very common for Christians to change their name after they had come into their vocation. Simon becomes Peter, Saul becomes Paul, etc. If you go into monastic life, you get a new name. So maybe this was Bartimaeus' new name, honorable man. But needless to say, he sounds like a good guy. I also get the impression that he wasn't born into the peasant class. We know his father's name, Timaeus, which means he means something. He was probably born into the middle class or maybe even to wealth and nobility. But 2,000 years ago, there was no cure for blindness or even there were no glasses like we've got today. So when you start losing your eyesight, you suck it up like everyone else. Poor and rich alike go equally blind. And so here's this man. This is Bartimaeus. We don't know if he was born blind or if he became blind over his lifetime. I kind of suspect that he became blind. Just a hunch. He's sitting on the side of this road, and we're nearing now the end of St. Mark's Gospel, where at the end of St. Mark's Gospel, you've got Jesus and his caravan of apostles and others on their way to Jerusalem. So we're getting close now to the end of ordinary time. Uh, Advent will begin in one month. So this is where we are. Jesus is on his way with these apostles. And he's sitting on the side of the road and he's saying, he's saying out loud, Son of David, have pity on me. He's shouting, which was considered to be a rude thing to do in those times. You did not shout out after a rabbi. The rabbis did not have an obligation to give money to the poor, etc. And they were decent, respectable people that you don't shout at. So he's breaking the rule here by shouting out. But they try to stop him and he calls out, Son of David. So now Bartimaeus is doubling down. He's saying, I'm not going to be silent. And you can imagine where he's coming from, knowing that there is no earthly cure for his blindness. If he's ever going to see again in this life, it will have to be a divine miracle from God. Now he's heard of Jesus, and he's heard of all the miracles that Jesus has done. He's heard that Jesus has cured paralytics, that he's cast out demons, that he has raised people from the dead, that he has cured the deaf, the mute, and the blind. What has he got to lose? And so he's just going to shout it out, Son of David. The next part is very interesting, where he doesn't say, Jesus, or Son of David, cure me of my blindness. He says, have pity on me. Another way of saying it, another Bible is translated, have mercy on me. Have pity, have mercy on me. He's not even telling Jesus what to do, but just do something special for me. I am reduced to begging. My life is a homeless man on the side of the road, blind as a bat. Have pity on me. Do something for me. Jesus calls him to come over, so they go and get it. They go to him and they say, Bartimaeus, it's your lucky day. Jesus is calling you. 
It says he sprang up. He didn't just carefully get up. He sprang up and he threw off his cloak. And throwing off his cloak is actually an important thing because for the Jewish people 2,000 years ago in Israel, beggars were official people. You didn't have your alcoholic begging for money so he could go spend it on alcohol. If you were a beggar, you were issued a government cloak that signified that this person has a legitimate reason to beg. All right. So he's been issued this government cloak. The government has deemed that he has a disability that would prevent him from earning a normal livelihood. So he's entitled to beg. And so when you're walking through Israel 2,000 years ago and somebody's begging but they're not wearing that cloak, they haven't been vetted by the government. But he has. His disability is legitimate. And that cloak is his livelihood. So when he springs up, it says he threw off the cloak. It's like he's throwing away his livelihood. I'm all in on Jesus. I'm all in on the son of David. That's all I know. I don't care about anything else anymore. This is it. All my eggs are in this one basket. Have pity on me. And Jesus will say, what do you want? And he says, I don't want to see again. And Jesus, in a snap, cures it. And that's different, too. When Jesus does for the others, remember the blind man in St. John's Gospel, how Jesus has to pick up some dirt, spits in it, creates a paste, wipes it into his eyes and prays with his hands in his eyes. He says, what do you see? And he says, I see people like trees walking around. And then Jesus does it again. Or with the mute man, he takes a hold, he spits in his fingers and takes a hold of the mute man's tongue, places his hand on his head and prays. Or the blind man, the same thing. He spits into his fingers and gives him wet willies and this kind of thing. But not with Bartimaeus. With Bartimaeus, he says, you can see. And boom, he can see. It's an immediate miracle. Now, why does that happen for Bartimaeus and it's not happening for the others? And the reason is because Jesus says, your faith has saved you. He doesn't say that of these other people. Remember, we're all these ten lepers, and he cures them all miraculously, and only three come back to thank him, and the other seven don't care. They're just, yahoo, I'm cured. This man has great faith, like the centurion asking Jesus to heal his sick servant. And he says, in all of Israel, I've never seen somebody with faith like this non-Jew, this Roman soldier. Your faith has saved your servant from dying. And this faith comes in for Bartimaeus. And Jesus says, he, he says, go your way, your faith to save you. And immediately he received his sight. Now, what was the way in which Bartimaeus went? It says, and he followed him on the way. It wasn't like these many other people for whom Jesus performs a miracle where they thank you and then they check out. No, Bartimaeus falls in with the caravan going to Jerusalem where Jesus will be tortured to death and die. This is why we know Bartimaeus' name. We don't know the name of the man in John's Gospel who Jesus cures him of his blindness or many of these others, but we know Bartimaeus is because Bartimaeus becomes one of the disciples of Jesus. He joins the twelve. And for the rest of his life, 
Bartimaeus will serve Jesus. Now, what does this mean for us? In the first place, why did Jesus perform this miracle? Well, for the same reasons why he performs all of these miracles. It's to give credibility to him that I am not any ordinary man, but actually I am God himself in the flesh. And you'll see that in a few days as I rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. But I have divine power. Believe in me. And the reason why he does this for Bartimaeus, Jesus knows that this is going to go into the Bible, where until the end of time, people will hear about Bartimaeus and my power to heal him. But on a deeper level, what's the significance of Jesus curing blind people? Blindness is an analogy for something else. And that is, it's an analogy that something bad has been overcome. Something that blinds us and sets us into darkness can be opened and taken away by the light of Christ. So what is this for all of us being a version of Bartimaeus? What is it that blinds us? What is it that sets us into some kind of darkness? And we might think, well, I've got physical problems too. I've got a bad back, or I've got a bad leg, or I've got high blood pressure, or I've got cancer, or whatever it might be. It might be I have mental illness, I have a mental disability. It might be financial, it might be career, it might be relationship and family. I want to be married, but I'm not, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen for me. Or I am married, and I don't like that guy or that girl. Or I've worried about my children, they've gone astray. Or maybe the darkness is a vice, a bad habit. And it has a stranglehold, or as the scriptures would say, a stronghold over us. And it's cast us into a kind of blindness, into a kind of darkness. Now we wish that we could call out to Jesus, have pity on me, cure me. And for the one in a million, or maybe the one in ten million, he does. But for the other 999,999, he doesn't. So, well, why should I be your disciple then, Jesus? Because the real cure, the real vision or enlightenment that he's looking for is eternal salvation. It's not our happiness in this world. It's our happiness in the next. And it's getting us there. And getting us there ain't easy. Because there's a lot of temptation to selfishness in this life. I imagine that when Bartimaeus began to lose his sight, or maybe he was just always without sight, I don't know. But I know kind of how this record plays. Something bad's going on in someone's life. They're upset about it. They want it to go away. It won't go away. They're impatient. They're ungrateful, obviously. They're complaining, they're bitter, they're resentment. It's an injustice of some sort. Arrogance, pride, envy, greed, gluttony, impurity, laziness. You know, we can see in each one of us something of this. What happens in Bartimaeus, though, is eventually he's able to just let it all go. I don't care anymore. All I care about is just giving myself to God. To the son of David. Give myself to him. I, I, can't, I can't fix this thing. 
whatever this thing is. And at that point, Christ can break through. But not when we're still complaining and holding out. We're still saying, well, I've got my thing and I want to keep my thing, but give me this other thing. No, he's saying, no, get rid of that thing too. When all is finally surrendered away, when you have great faith, as Bartimaeus did, as opposed to the others Jesus performed miracles for, then we're ready. We're ready to be delivered. In somewhere in Brazil, in the jungles of Brazil, Peru, or whatever, there's these aboriginal tribes, and these are kind of people who still run around naked, or almost all naked, and, and they live off the land. Sort of, well, they eat monkeys there, and there are different ways in which they kill monkeys and, and then cook them and eat them, along with pretty much everything else that runs around in the jungle. The survival is the name of the game. Well, one of the ways in which they catch monkeys is they build a little wooden trap, and it kind of takes a while to build it, but once you've built it, you can use it for many years. And in the top is a hole. And then you drop a piece of fruit down there, like a mango or something that just barely fits through the hole. The monkey comes upon the trap, sees the mango down there through the hole, and for a while tries to figure out how to get that thing out, and then finally puts his hand through the hole. Grabs the mango and pulls it up, but now he can't get it out because... The, the mango just barely fits through. It won't fit through with the fingers holding it as well. So this is when the hunters come out of the bush to club them over the head and kill them and take them off and cook them and eat them. All the monkey has to do is drop the mango. He won't drop it though. The, mango will, the monkey will bare his teeth. He'll put his tail up in the air. He'll swing his other arm around. He'll go into great hysterics. But he will not let go of the mango. And the man walks over with the club and hits him over the head. He's got him. At some point, Bartimaeus just let go. I got this thing that's blinding me. And there's nothing I can do to overcome it. There's no doctor who can take it away from me. And I can be bitter about it. And I can whatever sulk. But I'm going to finally surrender it away. And at that point, Jesus could move into a life. Every one of us has so many things in our lives, and we'll just call it crosses. And we don't like those crosses. They're heavy, they hurt, they rub against the skin and rub the skin off and bleed. Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich said in her visions of the life of Jesus that the greatest wound of Jesus in his passion was his left shoulder where the cross was, and rubbed all the flesh off down to the bone. That was his greatest pain, was to carry the cross. We've all got crosses. But it's not until we're willing to get on that thing and be hoisted up in the air that we're finally delivered. We're finally resurrected from the thing itself. Have faith. Have faith that Jesus can do it. You know that you can. You've got your demons. We all do. Addictions, bad habits, all kinds of vices. And we've tried, but we just can't overcome it. But with Christ, all things are possible. But we have to let go of the mango. We've got to let go of our blindness.
And we've got to accept Jesus completely and with complete trust. And when we do, the miraculous happens. We're saved. We might not even see or feel that in this life, but believe me, for eternity we will see and feel salvation. And not only are we saved, but we continue on that caravan with Jesus and the others, and maybe we'll help save others too.